Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by www.livinglies.wordpress.com, GTC Honored, and The Garfield Firm, serving all 50 states with news and analysis of the latest bank scams against borrowers, homeowners, consumers, and investors, and providing legal representation throughout Florida. This program is for general information only. It is not a solicitation for services or legal representation and should never be used as a substitute for advice from a licensed professional. And now, here's world-renowned financial expert, attorney, and blogger, Neil Garfield. here and this is Thursday, June 13th, 2019. People, lawyers, judges, homeowners, and tenants all think they know something about debt or they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it because they feel they're running away from a legitimate debt. When you challenge someone who's attempting to collect what you thought was a legitimate debt or you think is a legitimate debt, you're simply exercising your rights. And if it turns out that you're right and they're wrong, you should win. So people still feel that they're running away from a legitimate debt, despite almost a decade and a half of information from me and others about the nature of the mortgage crisis and the consumer debt crisis. And that even includes homeowners and lawyers who file defenses challenging the ownership of the debt. The message tonight is stop running away from the debt and instead embrace it. It's real. Mortgages, notes, foreclosures, it's all about the money. And once you focus on that, then a number of other things will fall into place. You can use the debt to defend your home or even get compensation for losing your your home. Even if the payee on the note didn't give you money, that doesn't diminish the reality of the debt. It confuses the debt, and it confuses debt ownership, but it does not eliminate the debt. Too many people think that if they find one little thing wrong with the note, not that it's a complete fabrication, but that there's just one little thing wrong on the note, that eliminates the debt, and that's the end of it. Magic bullet, case over. That doesn't happen ever, as far as I know, and I've tracked tens of thousands of cases. Tonight we talk about how to be persuasive in court so that the judge realizes that the foreclosure, a successful foreclosure, won't or might not result in any proceeds being used to pay down the debt. It's about the money. 
That's because the proceeds of foreclosure are actually not used to pay down the debt in all cases involving false claims of securitization. By definition, that's what that means if you're making a false claim of securitization. You're, pre you're presenting a false creditor with a false claim. If you can reveal that, then you get traction. And every case I know in which the homeowner is one, and I know directly of hundreds and indirectly of thousands, every time the homeowner is one, it's been because of the fact that there was a false claim of securitization with a false claimant and a false claim. And borrowers didn't create this mess, so don't feel guilty about that. This mess was created by greedy banks who successfully created an illegal scheme to make millions of dollars off of a $200,000 loan. If you want to win a foreclosure case, then stop feeling guilty or ashamed. And stop worrying about being the fool. This goes for both pro se litigants and lawyers. You're not away with anything if you if you win, when you win. At best, you're only recovering full ownership and possession of a house that was probably subject to a false appraisal, an unviable loan sponsored by the banks. When you when you win. That's your share of the millions of dollars they made off of your small loan using your name, your signature, your reputation, and your home. Even if you win, they still keep their millions. Stop feeling guilty. You're not getting off. You're getting your fair share of the bounty because without your name, your signature, your reputation, and your home – they could not have made one dime, much less millions of dollars. If you win in court and they lose the entire loan and the entire house, they are losing only a small fraction of what they already made in profits from originating and trading on your loan. The point of defending a foreclosure is saving the house or getting compensation for losing the house. Saving the house means defending it in judicial states or filing suit in non-judicial states. Getting compensation means filing a lawsuit for damages for wrongful foreclosure, fraud, and many other things. In non-judicial states, you need to file for TRO to challenge the foreclosure. And there's many other procedural things that we've covered before, which I'm not going to go into now. Get a local lawyer and go over the procedural hurdles and options with them. The central point of foreclosure defense in the current era is to reveal the fact that foreclosure will not result in payment of the debt. Because if they prove that the foreclosure will result in payment of the debt, 
then all of your defenses that are based upon a false claim by a false claimant are invalid. Either it is a false claim by a false claimant or it isn't. And if it is a false claim by a, fa uh, uh, by a false claimant, then it won't result in payment of the debt, by definition. Can't be any other way. Think about it. Everyone seems to think that the central point is, avoid pay, is to avoid paying the debt. That has never been true, even if it was the wish of the borrower. There used to be only one defense to foreclosure, payment. In the current era, starting in the late 1990s, there's another defense, lack of payment. Sounds crazy, counterintuitive. You'll hear that word counterintuitive used hundreds of times in connection with securitization. Alan Greenspan used it in connection with that. He said he had 100 PhDs working on it. They couldn't make head or tail of what was really going on in securitization. The issue is wrapping your head around something that is completely counterintuitive. Why would anyone foreclose unless they were looking for money to pay down a debt? The answer to that question sends most people into a tailspin, stumbling over their own words. In the end, the judge doesn't know what you're talking about, and you lose your home unless you present a clear and persuasive reason to prevent foreclosure namely that the party claiming the foreclosure is not in fact the owner of the debt and probably has never seen nor possessed the original promissory note. That claimant who has now initiated foreclosure against you and your home has never loaned any money, and they don't say that they ever loaned you money. That claimant has never paid value for the debt, the note, or the mortgage even though Article 9 of the UCC Section 203 regards payment of value as a condition precedent to the right to bring an enforcement action on a mortgage. And we have case law in all 50 states, I think, that says transfer of a mortgage without the debt is a nullity, means nothing. There's been no transfer of the mortgage. In most cases, you were misled into believing that the payee named on the promissory note was lending you money when, in fact, an investment bank was lending you money. The investment bank was advancing the funds. The originator, in most cases, was acting as a conduit, a front for the investment bank because the investment bank wanted to avoid lending laws, securities laws, fair trade laws, etc. Remember, this is all being recorded, and you can always come back to this recording or any of our other shows by going to blogtalkradio.com and searching for the Neil Garfield Show. And remember, despite what you might hear from those who are not regulated, licensed professionals, only a court order can stop a foreclosure or foreclosure sale. And that order, contrary to what I've seen on the Internet, must say that the foreclosure is dismissed, vacated, or stayed. 
and not just contain general rulings about the pendency of the current action. You can only seek a court order by filing a lawsuit or by filing a motion in court, depending upon what the type of proceeding has been started. And bankruptcy is the only place where that order is automatic under certain situations when you file the petition. If it's the first petition you ever filed, it's pretty much automatic all the time. There is no letter, no notice that stops a foreclosure, even if that letter or notice is recorded in the county records, although recording does potentially cloud title for the foreclosing party. No report, no matter how fine, no matter how great, no matter how wonderful the author is, will prevent a foreclosure without being presented in proper fashion with a foundation witness, namely the person who wrote it, who then convinces the court that what is in the report is both true and persuasive that the homeowner should win. Comments and suggestions are always solicited. Write to Neil F. Garfield at hotmail.com. I'm broadcasting live from Devout County, Florida, and this show is brought to you by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, Lending Lies, Amgar, and the Garfield Firm. And this show is specially brought to you because of donations to the Living Lies blog from listeners like you. Thank you. I'm doing my best here for years on the radio and almost a decade and a half on the blog uh, and in seminars and TV and radio appearances to get the point across that homeowners can do and should win most of the foreclosure cases brought against them. Neither the blog nor the radio shows are supported by anything other than your donations. I don't accept advertisements or any other promotional money or anything like that. And the seminars cannot occur unless we have a substantial increase in donations to offset the cost of creating and presenting the seminar such that the cost can be brought, the cost for each seat can be brought within an affordable range for homeowners and lawyers. So hit the donate button on the blog or call 954-451-1230 and pledge whatever you think you can afford. If this show has value for you, if our work on the blog and our radio shows has value for you, then chip in. Make a contribution to help us continue helping you and all consumers. Just go to the face page of my blog, livinglives.me, and you'll see the donate button. It's not just me who's on this mission. It's all of you as well. Last time I hosted this show, I said that the basic premise of all foreclosures is that foreclosure is necessary and legal to compensate and protect an actual party who is losing money because a borrower or homeowner is not paying their legal debt to that party who owns that debt. The lawyer for the claimant must show that the claimant actually exists 
and is easily identified, and the lawyer must assert the position that his client is losing money because they loaned money or bought the debt. That assertion can be implied because there are legal presumptions. And so lawyers and pro se homeowners sometimes get caught up not realizing the burden has shifted to them. Many times it's easily overcome, but not unless you try. The truth is that except in very rare instances, your claimant never says they are losing money because they're not. They never say they're suffering financial detriment because they're not. Or that they suffered from anything resulting from actions taken by you to stop payment. Because they're not suffering at all. They're looking for profit. The claimant never states that it loaned money or purchased the debt for, for value because they didn't. The reason they don't say it is that for pleading purposes, they're allowed to get by without saying it. But all those things are implied, which is why the form of pleading, why, why form pleading for a suit on a note or a foreclosure is so simple. They don't need to plead compliance with state statutes in all 50 U.S. states and territories as to ownership of the debt, payment of value, or anything like that in order to state a claim upon which relief could be granted. Relief could be granted if they prove their prima facie case. If the prima facie case is not rebutted. Most homeowners and many lawyers forget that the requirements for, requirements for pleading and the requirements for proof are very different. If you litigate the case proficiently, then you will ask questions in discovery that go directly to the question of when, where, and how they purchased the debt, note, or mortgage, and you will ask for production of documents showing they actually received possession of the original note prior to starting the foreclosure, and they actually paid value for the debt prior to filing suit. Remember, it's about the money. Back in 1977, when I started practicing law, we would never have even bothered to ask such questions in discovery because the bank would simply produce the original note and a custodian of records that said the note's been in the safe the whole time, it's never been sold or hypothecated, and the bank would then show proof that they funded the loan. Game over. But today, claimants in foreclosure don't allege that the loan was funded. They don't even allege that the loan was funded by the originator, and the claimant is never the originator. They don't allege that the loan was funded by the originator because it, it most probably wasn't. There are situations in which it was, and it was acquired then by the investment bank as opposed to having been funded by the investment bank. Instead, 
they start reaching immediately in their pleading for legal presumptions by saying that the homeowner signed a note and mortgage or deed of trust. They don't mention anything about a loan agreement or an actual loan. It's implied. Just because it's implied doesn't make it true. But the fact that it's implied means that you have to challenge it. You have to deny it, and you have to pursue discovery. They don't allege that they purchased the debt because it's presumed that they have possession of the original note. All of these presumptions are subject to rebuttal. I think rebuttal is most effective when you start in discovery. Obviously, you have to deny and file affirmative defenses uh, in, in judicial states. But discovery is where the rubber starts to meet the road. By asking questions and daring them to come up with answers and documents, you immediately put their entire case at risk. And you put the entire securitization scheme at risk. So if you have a particular trust name or an apparent trust name, everything that's ever been done in that name is at risk if you start asking the right questions. If that so-called trust didn't get your debt by purchase or conveyance from a real trustor who owned the loan, then it probably didn't get anyone else's debt either. By asking them questions and seeking document, documents about who they are, you're putting a basic strategy at risk because they're hiding behind word salad. You'll notice in many cases, I was just looking, that's why I put, I was just looking at an example of it, where it, it, it goes on almost a paragraph in which several different actual or implied entities are stated. You have the so-called trustee, which is a real entity. You have the certificates about which they give no information. You have the holders of the certificates who have no interest or ability to enforce the debt, note, or mortgage. You have a corporation frequently mentioned. You have a, a stated trust or an implied trust. All these are what I call word salad. And identifying the party who would be responsible for an award of costs when the, when the homeowner wins, you ask that question and see what kind of an answer you get. It's going to corroborate your defenses. By asking questions and seeking documents relating to whether a trust named somewhere in the word salad they, that they use to describe the claimant, whether that trust name or any such name exists as a legal entity, having been organized and still existing in some legal jurisdiction, you expose them to the biggest risk of all, 
that the word salad and the trust is just the shroud, a fictitious name used by an investment bank who used the appearance of a securitization structure to avoid lending laws, security laws, fair trade laws, etc., passed by Congress and state legislatures. And of course they won't answer. Stonewalling is the only strategy they have left. And it works because most homeowners and attorneys don't push it. Those who do push it can win and win big because once they refuse to come up with corroboration of the implied facts that they want presumed by the court in their prima facie case, they can no longer use those presumptions or any evidence at all if they fail to give you the corroboration in discovery. But you won't get an order like that unless you've already received an order signed by the judge compelling answers to the discovery. Merely filing for discovery is not enough. And then, after you get the order compelling discovery, you need an order granting sanctions for failure to comply with the court's order compelling discovery. Then you're in a position to, set, to stop them from introducing evidence at trial. If you do get into that position, the settlement offers will start coming, and starting with the insulting ones designed to undermine your confidence in the case and ending with settlement terms, that most homeowners find entirely acceptable and sufficiently rewarding that they are willing to sign an NDA that bars the homeowner or their agents from disclosing anything about the case. My usual advice is to disregard the offers until after you've received the third final offer. The takeaway here is that homeowners can and should win because people and companies making claims against them have no right to do and the sale of the home won't be used to pay down any debt. Instead, the proceeds will be used to produce still more profit in what was already a robust, even pornographic windfall situation for the banks and their various partners. Where the banks were unjustly enriched by this scheme will be debated for more decades. We've already had two decades' worth of debate. I need to start the discussion on why homeowners should uh, should share in the windfall profits created by skirting or breaking the law. I need to start a discussion in this political season about meaningful bank reform and meaningful lending reforms because I'm convinced that if homeowners were actually told at their loan closing that there was not one but a group of companies comprising the category of lender and that they, those companies would collectively be making millions of dollars off this $200,000 loan, that this information would change the entire dynamic between lenders and borrowers. I am convinced that borrowers would behave differently if they knew this information and realized that the primary interest of the players selling them a loan product was not a viable loan, but to make money on the side and even bet against the loan. I'm convinced that thousands of neighborhoods and millions of homes would have been saved if homeowners knew this information when they were served with foreclosure and eviction, and thousands of lives would have been spared from suicide or death from stress-related illnesses. And I'm convinced that out of thousands of cases where the homeowners achieved a successful result, 
The reason was solely because of the credible risk they posed to the securitization scheme, not because of the risk they posed in one foreclosure case. Lastly, I'm convinced that none of the proceeds of those foreclosures went to pay down debt, but instead added to windfall profits and added insult to injury to consumers, neighborhoods, cities, towns, counties, states, the country, and the world that was ravaged by the fall of banks that in some cases had stood for centuries until this scheme from Wall Street was hatched. That's my rant for tonight. That's my rant for tonight. Uh, Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. And we will be back next week with a new show on some more interesting topics. Thanks for listening to our broadcast. We hope that you tell your friends about us and let them know that there is hope and help in this financial crisis. Tune in every week to The Neil Garfield Show for free information and advice and visit our blog daily at The Living Lines Blog. We provide support services, the latest strategies, analysis, expert consultations, testimony, and declarations to use in your battle against the largest economic crime in human history. For information concerning Neil, the team at Living Lies, or the law firm, go to www.livinglies.wordpress.com or call 520-405-1688. The opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and should not be attributed to any other person or entity. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.